You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, good morning. That was weak. Good morning. All right, awesome. A, uh, a quiet church is a dead church, right? And we are not a dead church. Uh, God is doing uh, great things in the Life of Fellowship Bible Church, and I know I've said it before, but it is honestly just such an amazing privilege to be a part of your lives and what God is, is doing here. If you're a visitor, let me just say welcome. Uh, you can relax. We don't expect anything crazy out of you. We're not going to ask you to stand or sign anything, and so uh, we just want this to be a blessing to you. We want you to leave filled with joy over who Christ is and what he has done for you. If you have a Bible, let me invite you this morning to go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, if you don't have a Bible, we'll, we'd like to uh, bless you with a, a free copy of God's Word on our welcome table. Uh, you can grab that whenever you leave, um, or we can throw the scriptures uh, on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 6 is where we are, and we are uh, beginning this new series. Actually, we're kind of kicking or firing back up a series entitled The Real Jesus. It was a series that we originally kicked off in the spring. And here's what we believe. We believe in the religious South. There's a lot of Jesus talk, right? Everybody's a Christian. Um, We believe a lot of people know uh, who Jesus is or know of him, but not very many people have a joy field, real authentic relationship with the real resurrected King Jesus that we find in the Bible. And so what we are doing is we're just diving into the only perfect sermon ever preached. It's preached by Jesus. It's a sermon on the mount. And we're just verse by verse discovering who the real Jesus is and what he has for us. And what we've discovered is that the real Jesus is way better than the Jesus of our heads. Right? He's way better. The religious Jesus of the South, the Jesus that we've built up in our heads, uh, that maybe even a Sunday school teacher or even a parent told us about, um, that Jesus that we've made up is fake. He's dead. He's weak, and he's unable to help us at all. But the real Jesus of the Bible, he's alive. Amen? And he's life-transforming, and he's worth giving up everything for. And so we learn about him in his word, and we're learning about him specifically in the Sermon on the Mount. And today, in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1, we'll read down to verse 8, and then we'll also read verse 16 and 18, and then next week we'll come back and we'll talk about the Lord's Prayer. Okay? Matthew chapter 6 Starting in verse 1, Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, whenever you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they've received the reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, and so that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray that your Father who is in secret And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father already knows what you need before you even ask Him. And then verse 16. 
And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces and their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be uh, seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that it's active and it's living. It's sharper than a two-edged sword as we read it. We're reminded today that it's just as powerful as if you were standing here speaking it. But it is just pages on, or words on a page, apart from your Holy Spirit working through this. And so right now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you do what only you can do, that you take these words, you take this message, and you use it, drive it into our hearts, and transform us for our good and God's glory. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Most of you who know me know that I have... Uh, a little girl named Nora that's two and a half years old. And um, Nora, like most little girls, likes to pretend. And so, um, she, matter of fact, she's begging us for an Elsa costume for Halloween um, because she wants to be that, that girl from Frozen. Um, and I'm sure if we get her that costume, she'll want to wear it every single day until it no longer fits her. She loves to pretend. And one of the characters she likes to be is, like most girls, she likes to pretend to be a princess. And so she'll walk into a room sometimes whenever I'm uh, doing whatever, and she'll say, uh, she'll have like one of her mama's shirts on that she pulled out of a drawer, like this belt tied around her head or or just something weird. And and she'll say, "Uh, look, Daddy, I'm a princess. And I'll say, oh, that's great, sweetie. That's excellent. And um, and, and in these moments when she's pretending to be a princess, she's, she's so sweet and she's so innocent and she's so delicate and she's just kind and she just kind of frolics through the house just real peacefully. Um, but the problem is, you know, there's another side to Princess Nora. Um, <laughs> whenever you hang out with her uh, for very long, you, you know this to be true. In fact, this past week, my wife calls me as I'm working on this sermon and uh, doing just really spiritual matters, you know. And, and, and she calls and she says, hey, um, I just need to ventilate. It has been a crazy, crazy day. Like, Nora is acting the fool. Like, she's, she's not listening. She's making messes and not cleaning up. And she got so mad at Wyatt, she made his face bleed. Like, she punched him, you know, which is awful on two levels because, one, she's sinning, and, two, my son's getting beat up by his sister, <laughs> which is like a lose-lose, right? And so she's talking about this, and as she's talking about Nora's behavior... I'm thinking, how is it possible that on Sunday she's a princess and on Monday she's an MMA fighter? Like, how is it possible that that on Sunday she's so sweet and so innocent and and just so peaceful? And on Monday, I'm thinking about, I need to stop doing sermon prep and go lay hands on her and and pray that whatever's in her will come out, right? Like, like what in the world is is going on? And, And the truth is, what's happening is this, is this the image that Nora portrays on Sunday doesn't accurately depict what's really in her heart. Does that make sense? Um, Sunday is all about a show. Sunday is about a performance. Sunday, she's pretending to be someone that she really isn't. And as I thought about that this past week, I thought, I wonder how many adults in our church we can say the same is true for. I, I wonder how many of us, we show up here on a Sunday and we look really good, Right? And we smile, and maybe we even tithe, and we might even show up for prayer meetings, and and we're involved in missional community. We look great on the outside, but on the inside, something much different is going on. Maybe some of you, you have been in church long enough, you have learned how to play the game. 
You know what I'm talking about? You've learned how to look like a godly man or a godly woman. You appear to be very devoted to Jesus. But actually your heart is far from him. And what Jesus says today, the real Jesus in this text, is that makes you a hypocrite. Literally, what that means is that makes you an actor. That makes you an actress. You are portraying a false image of yourself to others in order to look better than you really are. And maybe that's some of you this morning. You come in here and you carry a warm smile, but honestly, you have a cold heart. You say that, that you love God and you raise your hand and you, and you worship Him, but truly behind closed doors you do not enjoy Him and have an intimate relationship with Him. And this morning, the real Jesus, He wants to call you out of hypocrisy. And He wants you to experience a real, authentic, life-giving, joy-filled relationship with the Creator of the universe that you were created to experience. So look with me again in, in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus says to us, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So right out of the gate, Jesus looks at you and he says, Be careful, watch out, all right? Be warned, all right? There is a real danger that exists among this group right here, and here's the danger. It's that you will do a bunch of good stuff, but in the end, you're not doing it because you love and enjoy God. You're doing it because it makes you feel good or look good in front of others. This is a, a real danger, right? Jesus says you need to, to look out for this. Because this is something that all of us are tempted to fall into. It's this temptation to act like we have this strong relationship with God when really we don't. And I just want to say, I don't know why any of us do this in the church. I've thought about this this week. Why in the world would you try to impress these people and me? I mean, look around. No offense. We're not the coolest people on the planet. Especially me. <laughs> I knew that would get an amen from you, Randy. I am a tall, skinny, white guy with glasses. I can barely bench press my weight on a good day. I played tennis in high school. I wasn't the quarterback. I wasn't a shortstop. I hit a ball over a net. Obviously, I'm not that cool, right? And none of us really are. So why in the world do we try to impress each other? And yet we do it, don't we? And in the end, what does it get you? Think about it. What does it get you? In the end, all it gets you is pretending to be godly when really you aren't. That's insanity. Because what's happening is you, you live your life pretending to be godly. And you say, you know what, in the end I might go to hell, but at least this person thought I was legit. That's not a win. That's crazy. And yet so many of us do this. Jesus said in Revelation 3.1, I know your works. I know your works. And you have a reputation of being alive but you are dead. Jesus says, people look at you and they say, wow, he's alive. Look at those works. Jesus says, I need to see the outside. I see what's going on on the inside. Your heart's dead. You don't know me. You've not been saved. You've not been transformed. You look good on the outside. You fooled men, but you have not fooled me. 
you look like a professional varsity Christian in the eyes of others, but when the game is over, you lose. See, what the real Jesus wants us to see this morning is what he cares most about is not your habits, it's your heart. He's not looking primarily at the outside, he's looking at the inside. And this is the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? That's why Jesus comes on the scene and he goes to all these religious people who say, oh, apparently I'm going to heaven because I dress like a Christian, I act like a Christian, I, I, I feed the hungry, I've never physically cheated on my wife, I've never actually killed anybody. And Jesus says, let me just kind of let you in on something. If you've even had anger in your heart towards somebody else, you're guilty of murder before God. If you've ever even looked at someone lustfully, you're guilty of adultery before God. Jesus does not raise or lower the bar. He raises the bar of righteousness. And what he's trying to do is listen. Some of you have even heard the Sermon on the Mount preach this way. Of therefore, try harder. Be better. Guys, that's not the point of the Sermon on the Mount. The point is you are a wretch. You are in big trouble. Jesus is trying to get us to crash into the wall of our own self-righteousness and make us absolutely desperate for his righteousness. He's trying to make us come to a place where we say, clearly, I cannot impress this God, and so I need someone who was perfect on my behalf and died in my place and rose from the dead so that I can now have a relationship with the one I'm longing for. And that's the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is, is, is we don't find our value in our performance. We find our value in the performance of Christ. Christianity has nothing to do with what you do for God. Let me say it again. Christianity has nothing to do with what you do for God. It has everything to do with what Christ has already done for you. That's the point. That's why it is the good news. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus, he wants us to, to feel the weight of this idea he, he wants us to know that this idea that we can work to impress God and do a bunch of good stuff is absolutely devastating. He wants us to know it's incredibly dangerous. And so in Matthew 7, he says a verse that I think is, is pretty terrifying. He, he says this, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I want you to think about that for a second. Jesus just said, Not everybody who prayed a prayer of salvation or went down the Roman road is going to be in heaven. And he said, some of you are going to say, you're going to stand before him on judgment day and say, wait a minute, we preached sermons in your name. We casted out demons in your name. We did a bunch of good stuff. And he's going to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. That should scare some of us probably more than it does. In Matthew 15, Jesus goes on and, and he says this to a bunch of religious people, again, who think they're going to go to heaven because they've done a bunch of good stuff. And he says, you're hypocrites. Well, did, pro, did, did, Isaiah, did Isaiah not prophesy about you when he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain you worship me. Again, he's saying, some of you here today, you look really good on the outside. But on the inside, you are dead. And here's the deal, guys. Listen, he says, if you don't repent, if you don't repent, things will not end well for you. In fact, this stuff will drive you into the ground. So the question 
all of us should be asking unless we have completely become so self-righteous that we're convinced there's no way this could be us. The question we should be asking is, how do I know if I'm a hypocrite? How do I know if my heart is far from God, even though it looks like I'm actually very near to God? And to answer this question, Jesus gives us three illustrations. And the first illustration is around this idea of giving. He he says in in, in chapter 6, verse 2, when you give to the needy. By the way, notice that does not say if you give. When you give. A true mark of a Christian is they are generous. They give of their finances. They realize life is not about me. Every single thing that I have really is a gift from God. Everything. He supplies it. He's the one that can take it away. It's all his. Life is not ultimately about my individual happiness. It's about God's glory. Therefore, I'm not going to be stingy with my money. He says, when you give. And I just want to say this too. Some of you, you think that grace is the absence of church. Or, or, let me say it like this. Yeah. You think that grace is the absence of spiritual disciplines, and that is false. Grace does not mean you just get to live however you want now. Do whatever you want, and in the end, you're still going to make it to heaven. If you've really tasted grace, your life is transformed. And Jesus says one of the marks of a true Christian is you give. He says, verse 2, When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. Some scholars say that in this time period, that, that they would set baskets in a synagogue or in the streets, and you could come and you could give to the needy, and somebody would sound a trumpet. They'd be like, da, 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 you know, and everyone would be like, who gave? Oh, it's Gary. Gary, that's amazing. Like, thank you. That's all. And Gary would come out. And he'd be like, I didn't know the trumpet was going to sound. That's right. I didn't want everybody to know. Right? Don't. Right? Stop. No, don't stop. Like, keep the praise coming. Right? Like, and Jesus is saying, if this is you, you're a hypocrite because you give primarily because you want a pat on the back. You want others to think you're incredible. And I know that most of you here, you're not expecting when you leave here and you throw a tithe check into the offering basket or you swipe your debit card for them to be like, woo, woo, you know, like sirens to go off, like, look, we got a giver, you know. Like, but I would say all of us are still tempted to do this in our hearts. All of us is, ah, yeah, I'll serve, but I hope you know how big of a sacrifice this is for me to serve. I'll do this, but man, I'm quitting if I don't get pats on the back and regular reminders of how great I am for serving in the church. Even this past week, if I can just be honest, like this passage has been really rough on me because I realize that I can be so hypocritical in my daily conversations and how I try to manipulate people to think I'm more spiritual or more accomplished. So that I can impress them, you know, and, and so are stupid stuff. Like someone could be like, I just read a, 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 a hundred page book on the gospel. They're like, oh, that's excellent. I just read one very similar that's like 250 pages. But that's a great, like hundred pages is a great place for you to start. Like, it's, this is a, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, what's that about? Oh, that's good. Like you're listening to the podcast of that pastor. Like actually we're best friends. And so that's interesting that, like, you listen to him on a podcast. I talked to him on the phone this past week. That's, yeah, he really is a good preacher. Like, you should, you should listen more to him. And by the way, we have a podcast, too. It's pretty good. And so, you know, it's like, 
And I kind of make light of that, but man, honestly, this week, I had to, to repent of some performance idols in my heart. It's like, I don't want to be that man. I don't want to be a self-promoter. Like, Jesus, this is about you. It's not about me. And maybe some of you need to do that this morning as well. Maybe the Spirit's already working in your life. And you see, like, man, there are times where I really just try to put myself out there, and I want people to recognize all of the things and the sacrifices I make for the kingdom of God. Jesus says, if that's you, your heart's not in a good place. He then moves from giving to praying, and he says in verse 5, again, notice, when you pray, Christians are people in the private places of their lives. They pray. Christians are people who talk to God, and they listen to God. Think about that, guys. Think about this. This is the real Jesus talking this morning. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. Now to be clear, Jesus is not saying that you should, not, that you should never pray in public. Jesus prayed in public. The early church gathered for corporate prayer meetings often, like we do as a church. The point of this passage is not so much to focus on the physical location. Rather, the point is he wants you to think about your spiritual condition. And he says, here's how you can know if you're a hypocrite. Listen, your prayers primarily become about performance. He says, hypocrites, stand in the street corners and go, <clears throat> I'm going to pray now. Everybody listen. And then they use this super spiritual language, like crazy elaborate prayers. And it's all for the purpose of getting others to be like, wow, like that's, that, guy, that person's so holy. That's a really great prayer that you just prayed. Like you must really love God. And guys, some of us do this. I'm going to say something, and, and, and I hope you know it's out of love. Some of us don't show up at the prayer meeting because of what others might think about us if we pray out loud. Some of us, when we come to prayer meetings, we pray much more passionately and with much more spiritual language than we ever do in our own private lives. Jesus says that's hypocritical. You need to stop focusing so much on what you say or how you say it and focus on who you are praying to. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the Gentiles. He says, don't, eap up, don't heap up all of these empty phrases and many words. The point here, again, is not like, don't pray long prayers. Jesus prayed long prayers. The point is, you don't have to manipulate God. But like, i got to pray just right. And if I pray it just right and I use this phrase, like, then God will bless me. So it's like, give me a million dollars, God. And God's like, no. And you're like, give me a million dollars in Jesus' name? And like, God's like, okay, like, I guess I'll do it. Like, like right? Like, Jesus says, don't, don't do that. Like, don't, don't, don't come thinking when you pray with just enough umph and, and, and you manipulate all these words that then God will finally bless you. No, Jesus is saying, he wants the real you. He wants you to come as you are, whether you think you're a good prayer or not. He's a good daddy who just loves to hear from you. And he's a good daddy that loves to give good gifts. 
And he says, he knows what you even need before you even know that you need it and before you ask for it. So just come in faith and pray and expect that he loves to hear and he loves to bless those who ask. He then goes from this idea of giving to this idea of praying to this idea of fasting. And he says in verse 16, when you fast, uh uh-oh. Again, that's not a if you fast. He says, when you fast, just know this, and maybe some of you have never been taught this before, and so you're off the hook until now. So you can thank me later. Fasting is not just for the spiritually elite. Fasting is basic Christianity. When you fast. Fasting, by the way, I think fast, you can fast from different things. I think you can fast from social media Facebook, Twitter, things like that. I think you can fast from your iPhone. Probably, some of you should probably do that, actually. Um, some of you are like, no, never. Like You're getting anxious just thinking about it. Um, fasting is really a, it's just an, expl- an explanation point on the end of this idea, I really need Jesus. Like, I need Jesus. I need my creator God more than I need the creation. Like, he's better than anything, and I'm going to fast to remind myself and my soul of this reality. Okay, But when the Bible speaks about fasting... And definitely right here in this passage, it's talking about fasting from food, okay? And this is something our culture still recognizes today when we think of fasting. That's why we call breakfast, breakfast. I just blew some of your minds right now. You're like, whoa. It's like you, you, you fast all night, right, when you sleep, and then you wake up, and when you eat your Captain Crunch or your Pop-Tarts, you, you're breaking fast, okay? And so here's the thing about fasting from food. It's awful, It's terrible. It really is. And every time you fast, it's the time that your company decides when you come in, we're going to have this huge spread. And it's like, here's Shipley's and Batten's and all the bacon your heart could desire. They're like, get in there, picnic, get some of that. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, I'll fast tomorrow. No. Uh, and so, um, you know, or they have this, you know, pizza comes in for lunch or whatever. And it's, and it's hard. And Jesus knows it's hard. That's why he says what he says. Look what he says in verse 16. And when you fast, I think this is hilarious. Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. And Jesus is trying to be silly. Don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Surely I say they've received the reward. So these guys so want to impress others. When they fast, they're like, how can I make people know that I'm fasting? Like, I don't want to pluck out my beard. You know, like, I'm going to scratch up my face. Like, so people know, like, man, I'm really dedicated to the Lord. It'd be kind of equivalent to some of you, you know, someone coming into the, to the 930 and being like, oh. And being like, like, are you okay? Like, yeah, I've just been fasting for 40 days. You know, like, it's the Daniel fast. Maybe you've heard of it, you know. Like, you know, it's like, Jesus says, you just lost your reward. Jesus says, you're a hypocrite. He says, you're here to, to put on a show. Right? You see what Jesus is getting at here? You see the whole point of these illustrations? Here's what he's saying. Look, look, look. Listen to me. He's saying, who you are when no one else is looking is who you really are. It's not who you are right here. That's not what you really got. What you do in the secret places of your life reveals what's going on in the secret places of your heart. And Jesus says it's time to get serious about this. It's time to realize some of you in here, you're giving 
but you give to the needy and you serve in the city because it makes you feel good. I just feel so good when we gave those needy people some stuff. Or because maybe you feel guilty if you don't give or because it makes you look good in the eyes of others. Some of you here this morning, when you pray, like you really do pray much longer and and with much more uh, spiritual language. You know, you use words like fire and and things like that that you probably don't use in your prayer life. I don't know why I said that, but anyways. um, but, 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 But you pray much differently in public than you do in private because you just want to impress other people. And Jesus says that's hypocritical. You only practice spiritual disciplines on things like fasting whenever other people are involved and other people know about your sacrifice. And Jesus says, this is a huge problem, guys. He says, you are in a dangerous place. Can we just be honest? Please, we're here this morning. I mean, you're here. Can you just be honest in this time that we have together? Some of you here, you don't enjoy God. You don't. But let me share some good news with you. If you are sitting here right now and you say, I at least want to want to have a good relationship like that, I would say that's a great sign the Holy Spirit's working in you. And there's a sign of life. If you at least want to want that, the Bible says in Philippians, it's God who works in you to will and good pleasure. So that's a sign like you want that. But if on the flip side, you're sitting here, and you're like, man, I don't pray in my private life. I don't really read scripture in my private life. I don't really enjoy God that much, and nothing's going to change for me. Then it would appear that you are in a terrifying place. Some of you really believe that despite the fact you have not prayed and spent any time with God this week, that he's impressed by the fact that you're here now, publicly with all these people. And you seem to know, like, God's not impressed by that. Some of you, like, you really don't enjoy God. You don't spend any time with him in your personal life, and you think he's impressed by the fact you serve in the nursery and bring food to missional community meals. He's not impressed by that. The real Jesus says, what God wants more than anything is your hearts. He wants your hearts. He doesn't want you to perform. That's the good news. He doesn't want you to make yourself better and to look sharper and more godly and more spiritual in front of all these people. He wants your hearts. He wants you to just trust that he is good. He's good. He wants you to trust that he as the creator is better than the creation. He wants you to believe he's better than your money. He wants you to believe he's, he's better than your status. He's better than your house. He's better than your cars. He's better than your physical bodies. He wants you to believe he's better than food. And, and, and he actually wants you to believe he's better than your kids. He has to be, guys. He created your kids. How could creation ever be better than the creator? If you ever look at your children and say, wow, how amazing, how beautiful, how much better is God that he would give you that gift? He wants you to worship him above the creation because, listen, guys, only when we do this, only when we do this will our hearts be saved and we will be satisfied. We'll finally try to find the true rest and the true peace and the freedom that we have been longing for. Some of you this morning, you are in a dark place. You're hiding your heart behind your habits. And you maybe even have convinced yourself you're good because others say you're good. And this morning, my prayer is that you will finally stop pretending and stop performing. Look right at me. You have no one who matters fooled. Some of you 
So your pastor thinks you're godly. Congratulations. So your family and your church and your missional community thinks you're super spiritual. Congratulations. In the end, the God who created you, who holds your eternity, eternity in balance, the one you will stand before on judgment, is not fooled. He knows what is going on in your heart. And he looks at you right now, and he's not trying to catch you. He's not trying to hurt you. He's not trying to damn you. He looks at you right now and says, I know what's in your heart. You know what's in your heart. So let's be honest about it. Don't fix yourself. Don't clean yourself up. Come to me in all of your brokenness. Come to me in all of your mess. And trust that I am enough. Trust that Jesus has accomplished everything you could not accomplish yourself through his perfect life and his death and his resurrection. I stand in front of a crowd this morning, but I stand in front of a crowd of individuals. And here's the question I want to end with. We're about done. Listen. Here's a question for each individual. Do you really enjoy and love God? Or are you a liar? Pretending to be someone you are not. Living a hypocritical life, trying to fake it till you make it. Stop pretending. Stop performing. And place yourself under the waterfall of God's grace that is poured out for you through Jesus Christ. The good news this morning is, is Jesus came to die for the sin of hypocrisy. And that's really good news because all of us are hypocritical at times. There's not one person in here who has not been subject to hypocrisy. I know I have. I realized it even this past week. And the great news is, is Jesus' grace always beats sin, even the sin of hypocrisy. And so no matter how long you've been faking it, no matter how far your heart is from God, again, he just wants you to come and be real. He wants you to be honest. And he wants you to experience the life-giving, authentic, joy-filled relationship that you've been longing for with him that is only found in the perfect work of Christ on your behalf. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and as the, the band's going to come forward and the people that's helping serve communion are going to come forward. And we're going to take some time and we're going to worship Jesus again through a song and then through communion. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. I just want to encourage you to close your eyes and bow your heads. No one looking around and, and, and we can get stuff out of our purses and fix things later. But if you were here this morning and you know that you've been living a hypocritical life, like maybe you, you really don't enjoy God. You don't have intimacy with him. Let me encourage you to do this. Just be honest with him right now. If you at least want to want him right now, I want to encourage you just to say, God, give me the faith to believe that you are who you say you are. Help me to enjoy you more. The Bible says even the faith to believe that God is good comes from God. You don't have to turn. In fact, you can't turn a switch on this morning to make yourself enjoy God. You can't just make yourself, right? Nobody in here can say, I'm going to start loving God right now. But you don't have to. But if you at least have a desire to want God, to experience Him, to walk with Him, then just say, Father, give me the faith to see you as you are. Help me to love you. Help me to enjoy you. Maybe for some of you, for the very first time this morning, you need to surrender your life 
fully to Christ. To stop relying on all of your habits and all of your performance and trust fully in the performance of Jesus on your behalf. He came and lived a perfect life you could never live. He died a death that you deserve to die for your sins. And he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death and hell so that now you can have a relationship with a perfect, holy God. Father, I do thank you so much for each person that is here today. Holy Spirit, be gracious to us. Take these words now and and drive them through our hearts. Help us not to think about the person to our right or left or behind us in front of us. Help us to examine our own hearts. Speak to our hearts. Help us to see if there is any sin of hypocrisy in us. Help us to stop performing. Help us to stop pretending. Help us to truly enjoy you and to experience you the way you've called us to experience you. It's in Christ's name that we pray.